Hello, my name is Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to A Conversation with 2 Geeks, the podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today we'll be talking about everything from the teaser trailer to the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series to Jamie's thoughts slash our spoiler discussion on the Batman and much more. Also, feel free to follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Convo with 2 Geeks. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with 2 Geeks. And um, we're also, um, also feel free to follow us on all our social media pages as well. And if you feel like emailing us, we're at conversationwith2geeks at gmail.com. You can also find our back catalog on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and where podcasts are listening to you. How are you today, Jamie? Anyways, our first topic for the day is the teaser trailer for the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, the synopsis reads, the story begins 10 years after dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan Kenobi faces Grace's defeat, the downfall, and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice Anakin Skywalker. He turned to the dark side as evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. The series starts Ian McGregor reprising his role as the iconic Jedi Master and also marks the return of Hayden Christensen in the role of Darth Vader. Joining the cast are Joel Edgerton reprising his role as a younger o- Uncle Owen, whom we played in episode three, Moses Ingram, Bonnie PC, uh, Kamal Najani, Adrian Varma, Rupert Friend, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Sean Kang, Simone Kissel, and Benny Safty. The series is set to be directed by Deborah Chow, who directed episode three, The Mandalorian, season one, with Joby Hero set to be showrunner. Jamie, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Because I. <laughs> it looks really good. I'm actually pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> I think it I, I think it's just gonna be um a good time. I think it's gonna like have a lot of throwbacks to the prequels and stuff. So if people who are big fans of the prequels and stuff, I think are gonna really like it. Yeah. So, and also, also I think they're hiding some stuff, including the well, this was actually revealed the MG weekly piece that was released this week, but we do know that there is gonna be a rematch and between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm very curious to see how they're going to pull that off. Also, we got to see the Grand Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels, which, mm-hmm. not gonna lie, made me very happy, especially mm-hmm. as a Star Wars Rebels fan and stuff, and I just, yeah, no, and then just them um, using dual fates. Mm-hmm. That, that was awesome, and I'm, yeah, no, overall, I'm really excited for this, and I, 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 I can't wait. I, we get this in May, and we get this on May 25th. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really am excited. So yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic, and this is from Deadline Reports that Amazon Studios is in negotiations with Sony and PlayStation Productions for a live action TV series based on the hugely popular ancient mythology theme game God of War with the experienced creators such as executive producer Marcus Fer- Fergus and Hawk Osby with Anne Wheel and the Wheel Time executive producer such showrunner Rafi Jenkins set to helm the series. For those unfamiliar, first we released um, back all the way in like 2008. Uh, this God of War video game series follows an ex-Spartan warrior named Kratos in his perilous journey to exact revenge on Ares, God of the Greek God of War, after killing his loved ones under the deity's influence with the new game God of War Ragnarok. Is in the um is in the works for PlayStation 4, um, 4 and PlayStation 5, and it's set to drop this year. So this is interesting. Um, did you ever play the God of War games? Mm-mm. Uh. I did not. So I don't have very many thoughts on this. But I mean, uh it's I guess it's a cool idea. It seems like there's stuff that they can work with for a show. Mm-hmm. And or uh, yeah, for a show. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really starting to get I've noticed Amazon's really starting to get into the video game segment because um we not only got this, but we're also getting the Fallout show with 
from the Westworld writers, um, for the Westworld creators, Jonathan Nolan and his wife. So mm-hmm. the video game adaptations might be going to TV, especially when we also consider the fact that we're getting a Last of Us series on mm-hmm. HBO. So, mm-hmm. so this is this is going to be interesting. I'm really curious to see how this all this is going to pull off. And yeah, anyway, moving yeah. on to our next topic. Uh, according to THR, Free Guy and the Adam Project director Sean Levy is currently in negotiations to direct Deadpool 3, result, uh, reuniting with star Ryan Reynolds as its lead. In addition, writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who penned the scripts of the first two movies, are now working on the project as well. So this is interesting, especially considering the Adam Project was just recently released mm-hmm. and stuff. And yeah, and also this will probably be assuming that they keep the R rating, which I have a feel, strong feeling they will, this will be mm-hmm. Livy's second R-rated movie. So for those mm-hmm. wondering, are wondering, well, maybe he hasn't done R-rated material. He has done R-rated movies before. This is where I leave you was R-rated. So yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I guess it's okay. I don't really have many thoughts, to be honest. Um, I, like... Uh, I mean, another Deadpool. Deadpool is cool, I guess. I don't know. I don't. It's more your speed, I guess. Not really oh yeah, much. yeah, uh, so. yeah. But yeah, no. It's um just the. It's it's really interesting seeing his career, especially within the last year, especially after Free Guy came out, mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, and yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. It's interesting seeing that um, Reynolds is choosing it, but it also kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyways, moving on to our next topic. Um, we This is a bit of a long one, guys. Um, in an exclusive from Deadline, following a screening of West Side Story on the Fox lot, Steven's director, Steven Spielberg, who also serves in the Academy Board Directors and is nominee, uh, has been nominated as Best Director for the film, voiced his concerns appointment over the Motion Picture Academy's controversial decision to move the presentation of eight categories to the hour before the actual ABC telecast about to begin at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On March 27th, saying in a statement, I disagree with the decision made by a second committee. I feel strongly that this is the most collaborative meeting in the world. All of us make movies together. We can become a family where one craft is just as indispensable as the next. I feel that the Academy Awards, it, there is no above line, there is no below the line. All of us are on the same line, bringing the, the best of all of us to tell the stories we possibly can. And that means for me, we should also have a bigger seat at the supper table together live at five he continued he go to take his on and say when i look back i think without john williams john jaws would never wear dentures without what's with west side story when tony is singing tonight when maria the top production designer adam stock uh stockings um i don't know if i can say stock consumer um he would be sitting on a step ladder and she would be on the scaffolding all of this on an empty soundstage without film editing, all my movies would still be at Bailey's. We've all come together to make magic, and I am sad that we we will not be alive to that we will not all be on live television watching magic happen together. Everybody will have their moment in the limelight. Everyone will be able to sh- will be able to be shown with their sets of speeches, but it's the idea that we all can't be to it's the idea that we all can't that we can't all be there. Uh, regarding whether or not the Academy can change this, the director said this. Yes, I have tremendous respect for my fellow governors and I have tremendous respect for David Rubin. The same thing came close to happening three years ago in the 11th hour. A decision was made that reversed it and four categories were 
that were in the commercial break for retail on the long show. I hope it's reversed, but I'm not anticipating a reversal and I'm not optimistic about it. Following this, a letter was penned by several of Hollywood's great professionals to distinguished talent from all stages of production, ranging from directors James Cameron, Camel Del Toro, um, awards nominee uh, Jane Champion to composers John Williams. Howard Shore, John Powell, Alice Avestri, who did the scores for Back to the Future of the Avengers film, and Raman Jajari, Jari, who did the scores for Eternals, Iron Man, and Game of Thrones, to production designers and cinematographers calling out Ruben and the Academy, urging them to reconsider, saying, in the strongest possible terms, to reverse your decision for nearly a century, the Academy Awards has represented the gold standard in recognizing and honoring all the essential crafts in filmmaking. Now, as we approach Oscars 100 year, we are deeply troubled that this gold standard is being tarnished by some value, by valuing some filmmaking principles over others, relegating those other steps to others as second-class citizens. Critical artistic crafts like musical scoring, film editing, production design, makeup, hairstyling, sound will always deserve the same respect and recognition as fast like acting, directing, and visual effects. Whew. So that was a long mouthful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Jimmy, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, it just sounds like it's a mess. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a cluster fucking people are pissed off. Yeah, it's just like... But, yeah. Yeah, it just... It's, it sucks. Um, it just sounds like it's more... Uh, it just sounds like it's going to be really awkward. And, like, it's going to be just weird that they're not <laughs> all together. Um, like, because the Oscars, I remember watching, um, having them all together. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Yeah. Of the point of it. And having them, like, not be live for parts of it now is just weird. Yeah. And it's so. just, and it just doesn't make sense. And apparently, this was all ABC decision. Okay. Is it because of COVID? It's not because of COVID. I think it's because is of the this decision uh, to do it. Well, apparently, and this is from my doing just research on it. So the last Academy Awards, I think, only brought in like about like 10.8 million viewers, which is the lowest Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if the brass of ABC are like, yeah, uh, we're not happy with these numbers. Mm-hmm. And they want changes, but I don't think this is the right way to go. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Yeah, because be it's, it's just screwing over people. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just... Mm. I'm really hoping that they make an 11th hour decision to reverse it because people are pissed. Yeah. Like, like it, just when Spielberg calls you out, you dumb fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, moving on to our next topic of the day. According to Variety, Warner Brothers has shifted the release dates for several movies, including Black Adam, The Flash, Aquaman 2, and Shazam Fury of the Gods, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, aka Aquaman 2, and The Flash, both being pushed from their 2022 release dates to March 17th, uh, 2023 for Aquaman and June 23rd, 2023 for Flash due to COVID-induced production delays with visual effects. As for Black Adam, that's being pushed um, back three months to October 21st, 2022, while Shazam, Fear of the Gods, is actually being pushed up June 2nd, 2023 to December 12th, 2022, which puts it actually against Avatar 2 a week later. So, yeah, this is, this is, um, well, this is interesting, especially mm-hmm. in, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at the Batman numbers and be like, uh, I don't know if everything's going to be, else is going to be good as Batman. Let's mm-hmm. just push everything back. 
It's just funny because they just released a whole trailer not that long ago about <laughs> year in DC promoting everything. And then now we get this, uh, like pretty much everything's pushed back except for Shazam because Shazam's getting pushed up. Yeah. So. Although I am now worried about Shazam because, um, look, I know some people are going to doubt Avatar. And I have my concerns as well. But here's Do we time. really think it's coming out in December? Do we really think Avatar 2? Because we've heard nothing about this movie. Nothing. I I think I have a sneaking suspicion it is, but also here's one thing I've learned in my years. Mm-hmm. Never bet against James Cameron. I mean, fair point, but it's just been it's been so long. And I know. it's just it's just weird. I know. I have the same concerns as well. But I'm just I, I just like <laughs> I don't even remember what happened in the first Avatar because I haven't. I saw it once and it was cool, but like I remember nothing. Oh, I well, I just remember the special effects were like really good. Like uh, it was a really cool looking movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I get you because I only remember a few things with such a being Pokemon in space and like Mm -hmm. or rather dances rules in space and yeah. Yeah, I only remember certain things, but like, I just, it had a very nice. That, do we even know if they've been filming for Avatar 2? Do we even know? Oh, no, he's been, he's been filming for like years. Okay. Years and stuff. And like, yeah, no, he's been filming years. He like, he has so much material. Like, like is, if Avatar 2 and 3 are successes, then he might be doing at least up to five movies. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. I just hope he get we get a trailer out before like two months before it comes out because like I like I feel like I know Avatar made a bunch of money and it's the number one spot on the list but like it's been so long since we got the first one I don't know if people are still interested. But... My my guess is we'll we most likely get a trailer. We'll most likely get a trailer soon. Also, COVID has kind of bleaked up the um mucked up the um the marketing because now mm-hmm. things are on the market like three to four months in advance as opposed to like six months mm-hmm. so i mean that's the reason why we haven't got a four love and thunder trailer for christ's sake yeah and that comes true. out and that comes out in july because i, I thought it came out in june oh no I mean. it's july july okay yeah anyways moving on to our next topic um an exclusive from the rap reports that FX is what we do in the shadows star Harvey Gullen, as well as Brazilian actress Bruna Marcini, Marci- yeah, Marquesini, and Bella and Melissa Escobova have, I am so sorry, I'm going to put your names, um, have joined the cast of Blue Beetle alongside Cobra Kai star uh, Zolo Medrina, uh, who is set to star in the titular role, aka J- uh, Jimmy Reed. Yeah. Jaime Rios, as for whom the, whom the three will be playing, Gulen's role is under wraps, while Marquinis, who's a newcomer, is set to play the female love interest, while uh, Penny, while Escobaro is, is set to play Marcos, yeah, Mila Grosso, uh, Reyes, the younger sister of Jamie. So it seems like they are casting this really well. And like, I have a question. Did you ever see what we do in the shadows? Movie in the shadows? Okay, I do recommend it. And mm-hmm. like, and like the main, the main guy in that, um, he plays, um, 
he plays one of the le- he plays one of the least tough, and he's hilarious. So I'm really happy to see him in this. And yeah, no, mm-hmm. they're 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 getting this up and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I think um, it has a lot of potential. Um, I know my exposure to Blue Beetle and the little bit that I know is from like Young Justice, really, kind of. Yeah. Um, and like just offhand mention so um mm-hmm. he it should be pretty cool um it should be fun yeah. so also if i'm not mistaken i think the character was in young justice he was yeah okay I just that's to- how i know him because i watched young justice so that's how that's my main exposure to blue beetle mm-hmm. um i can't remember if it was jamie or, or a different version i'm trying to I th- remember i think it was, i think it was jamie i'm pretty sure it was too but i could be wrong um mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I think it's just cool. I hope this, like, does really well because, like, Blue Beetle is not, like, a super Mm well-known DC character. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, if they could really make this work, it could give a lot of uh, more potential for not as well-known heroes to kind of, like, find their footing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just really hope, like, that this does well for for that fact and for just Blue Beetle in general because I remember he was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But, yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic, we got an official trailer for DMZ. The official synopsis reads, DMZ leaps off the pages of the DC acclaimed graphic novel into the visual landscape of a dangerous and distorted Manhattan as woman woman navigates a demilitarized zone and a harrowing quest to find her lost son. The show stars Rosario Dawson, Benjamin Bratt, Wu Lee, Freddie Mirrors, uh, Jordan Preston Carter, and Venus Ariel. The series is set, will be directed by Ava DuBernay. With her directed pilot episode, while showrunner duties will go to Westworld and Sensory Anarchy writer Roberto Patino. Uh, Jenny, what are your thoughts on this trailer? I actually forgot to watch the trailer when okay. I was skimming through. I didn't see it, but it sounds interesting. And we we like Ava DuBernay, so mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. We, we support um, Ava DuBernay in this on this podcast. Yeah, and but, it's coming out pretty soon, like in just a, like under a week. Yeah, shoot. So, yeah, I expect a review and stuff, but yeah, no, this looks interesting and stuff. And yeah, I'm very interested. Yeah, no, this this definitely looks interesting. Also, I like seeing Benjamin Brand stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic, we got some casting news. Exclusive for Variety reports that Drake and Josh star Josh Peck has joined the sprawling cast of Christopher Nolan's World War II epic Oppenheimer, where he will play Kenneth. Brain Bart, a real scientist who was involved with the Manhattan Project. In addition, and exclusive from Deadline reports that Army of the Dead star Matthias Schweighenhofer, apologies for me mispronouncing the nation, is set to join the cast as well, but details on his role are being kept under wraps. The two are set to join Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Josh Hartnett, Dave DeHaan, Jack Quinn, Kenneth Branagh, and Chillian Murphy, who will be playing the titular character, J. Robert Oppenheimer. Okay, so this cast. It's a lot of very well-known people. Mm-hmm. Why is Josh Peck here? Ex- somebody explain this to me. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know, but like, it seems like he's been getting a... Um, he's been getting a bit of an increase lately because I think he's also on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, no, How Is I Met Your really? Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Oh, uh, you know what? I do think I remember seeing that. 
seeing like a trailer of him pop up on there. That makes sense. But yeah, no, I I was kind of shocked with you as well because I was just like, I was like, because he's just known for doing comedies, and this doesn't sound like it's a, it like sounds a little bit more serious. Like there might be comedic moments, but like it's not going to be like a full on comedy that I'm used to seeing him in that I know him for. But yeah, no, this but yeah, no, this cast is insane. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like it's getting to the point where he, even like when I was commenting on this, I'm like, okay, this cast needs to no one needs to cool down with this cast. <laughs> this this is just too many too many famous people. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to our next topic: according to Deadline and THR, Florence Pugh and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Baz Luhrmann. Elvis star Austin Butler are in negotiations to join Dune Part 2, the second part to Denise's Villeneuve adaptation of the 1965 Frank Herbert novel with Pew's Septic play Princess Irina Corino, the eldest daughter to Emperor Shaddam Corino's the fourth. While Butler is set to play Fede, uh, Fade Rafula. Rafula? Uh, I can never pronounce the name. Uh, the cutting nephew of the Baron, the villain played by Selen Sarskar, who had House Harkonnen. Uh, they will be joining returning cast members to be Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Sedan, and Josh Brolin. So, yeah, Florence Pugh is joining Dude, and I cannot be more excited. That's pretty funny. It's cool. <laughs> it's also kind of a reunion for, Tim- for Timothy and Florence. Yeah. You know, in a way. A little woman yes yeah it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be interesting to see um yeah it's just gonna be austin butler is gonna be on some people's names with that elvis movie after that elvis movie i just have this feeling because but yes i i concur with you um especially after the elvis movie after elvis trailer Mm. Mm. yeah he's gonna yeah so like I think they're both gonna be great. Um, I think it's just gonna be it's just gonna be interesting. Um, Florence View is staying very busy um, mm-hmm. right now. I yeah, we'll just have to see um, what else happens. I I know they're like she's just gonna be super busy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when we'll see her next in Marvel, but we'll have to see. We'll we'll, we'll see we'll see. But yeah, no, I just between. <laughs> I, I I just remembered. Oh yeah, she's an Oppenheimer, and then she has this, this that. There's also the rumor that she's gonna that they're making um, uh uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on the names? Uh, uh Elena and Kate team up movie. There's rumors that hasn't been officially announced. That's been rumors that's been mm-hmm. speculating. So we just she's gonna probably be pretty busy and Elena's a very popular character so I'm sure Marvel's like we gotta get her into something yeah yeah no and I wouldn't be surprised if her agent is probably negotiating has like yeah. okay so you have a break off here and you have a break off here but you have to film this here and stuff like the, the agent must be like mm-hmm. but yeah no either way I'm down I like this casting mm-hmm. moving on to our, ne- our our second to last final topic of the day um, exclusive from Deadline reports that Black Bear. Um, seriously, y'all need to watch this one. It's on the Amazon. Go watch it. Um, star Chris Christopher Abbott is set to join Sony's Craven the Hunter movie. Movie, which sources say that Abbott would be uh, would be playing the film main villain, the Foreigner, one of Spidey's biggest adversaries in the comics. 
Featuring the cast that includes Aaron Taylor Johnson as the titular character, Oscar nominee Ariane DeBose, Russell Crowe, Alessandro Novoli, and Fred Heckinger uh, as Craven's Bunter Chameleon. So this was a very interesting cast. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I haven't seen him in um, in Black Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not super familiar with him, but this Craven movie is going to be interesting. Yeah, the cast are the cast are lining up is very interesting, and I I will say as much as I like kind of gave doubt to it because it's just like okay you're doing a movie on Craven the Hunter, the cast are getting out they're lining up is very impressive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I'm I'm very curious to see how this is all gonna come out and stuff. But yeah, anyways, moving on to our final topic of the day, exclusive from the site that hashtag show reports that a reboot of the Warcraft movie is in development in Universal Pictures. So a little bit of backtracking for anyone out of the blue. In 2016, an adaptation of the RPG video game World of Warcraft, simply titled Warcraft, was released in 2016, directed by Moon and Source Code director Duncan Jones. Despite critical, uh, poor critical reviews and a lackluster domestic box office, the film, which is based on the first two original games in the 90s, did well enough in international markets to keep the conversations between Blizzard and Universal government. Fast forward 2018 and development started on a sequel, which would have brought characters, which would have brought back characters and introduced a ton more. However, the pandemic began shortly as early development as early development began with stars that were attached, ultimately dropping out of the project and filmmakers that were eyed ultimately being unavailable. As Warcraft 2 fell apart, discussions began internally about whether whether or not the studio or Blizz- and Blizzard wanted to reboot the franchise or continue with the established characters, actors, and lore from the first movie, with the studio ultimately deciding to go with a soft reboot, not entirely ignoring the continuity of the first movie, but not being beholden to it either. As for story details, a soft reboot will focus set, set on new set of characters, such as an older version of Goel, who at the end of the first movie we see as a baby, will be of adult age and go by Thrall. In addition, the movie, movie, the film, will move has some of the lore of the first film, and that some characters that did not appear in the first film could appear in this new film. So, question: Did you ever see that Warcraft movie? No, I did not. Oh, I actually thought it was okay. Like it wasn't. It's okay. It, it wasn't bad, but I think a lot of people gave it a shit, unnecessary, very unnecessary shit, and it kind of angered me a little bit because Dunk, uh, the director for Duncan Jones, for those that don't know, he was actually David Bowie's son. Oh, okay. And during production, you know, Bowie passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was dealing with that. And, like, it's just, I don't know. And you could definitely see that there was a lot of passion and stuff into, into it. And I just, I don't know. People don't give it that much respect. So I'm very happy to see that they're at least taking another stab at it mm-hmm. and stuff. So that, that, that makes me a little bit happy. Hopefully Jones can come back. But I imagine he probably wants some distance from that project. And I am curious to see what filmmaker they were, they're going to try to get. Because if you go back to the development of the original Warcraft movie, Sam Raimi was involved at one point. Oh, well. So, okay. So, yeah, no. Either way, I'm very curious about the season. I'm happy that they're at least continuing something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anyways, on to our recommendations, because we got a lot. Um, so, let's talk to Batman. Mm-hmm. So I saw it Monday afternoon. Literally was the only person in my theater. It was wonderful. There's nobody there. And I was like, it was it was awesome, actually. Like having that experience, just being the only person there. 
mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, it definitely was very long. Yep. Um, but I did like that it was more of like a like a mystery, like detective mm-hmm. um, kind of thing too. Um, the Riddler was a very good villain. Um, I thought he, because he was interesting. Um, I was curious what he was doing. Um, I thought Robert Pattinson did uh, an excellent job. He was a very good Bruce um, or Batman. Um, I loved Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. She was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked her dynamic with Bruce. Um, I, I wanted more of her, wanted more mm-hmm. of her story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they make a sequel to this Batman, to this version of Batman, mm-hmm. I definitely want her to come back because I do think it's like I do think her and Bruce are very interesting together, mm-hmm. um, and stuff. And yeah, I just I really liked it. Um, oh yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you liked it because those are most of my my favorite points as well. Also, I love Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I know we're getting a Penguin spinoff and in a post Peacemaker world. I am very curious to see what they're doing with that. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I kind of want a Catwoman spinoff. Yeah, I want to know what she, like, because, like, the way that they end off, she she's leaving versus staying in Gotham, but mm-hmm. she's getting out of town because mm-hmm. all the stuff that's happened, because the railroad was freaking crazy and, like, the mm-hmm. number on the town. Yeah, um, yeah, no. And so, like, I wonder, like, I'd love a spinoff, but I also like because it'd be cool because even if she does come back for the sequel, I'd love to have a spinoff of her time wherever she's at. Like yeah. whatever she's doing right now. Yeah. Um and stuff like that. So like I like the aesthetic of it. I thought mm-hmm. it was like really like it was really like a good it, like really gave me the feel of Gotham. I think mm-hmm. I feel like they did he did a good uh, Matt Reeves did a good job on that and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I thought it, I just really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no. So. I I'm I really enjoyed this movie and like I almost like I have been tempted to see this movie for a third time. I've already seen it twice. Like it it's not it's like a world I just want to just continue exploring and stuff. And yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see how these spin-offs are gonna go and stuff. And because they did a good job of like setting not setting up everything but like you like there's still a lot left that you can like look around and like explore and mm-hmm. stuff in this movie so like and verse is still very young in this version so oh yeah like, yeah no my one question is is that wasn't entirely sure but who was the riddler talking to and at the end in the prison so that's joker Do we know that is Joker. Okay. That is Joker, and he's um. Do you, did you recognize the actor um at all? For the Riddler or the Joker? Joker. No, I don't think so. Okay, that's the same guy that played Trig in Internals. Are you serious? I'm not. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh no! What? Great. Now we're gonna just. Ha- oh my god! They better paint. Like if he's in. Like if they make a sequel, and then he's in the sequel, Joker. Mm-hmm. He can't look like himself because then we're just gonna have a bunch of like fangirls like falling over him because oh my god, the amount of stuff for Druid I have seen from Eternals. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
That's funny. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and like they were honest. That's who I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I, I was 90% sure that who I, but they never full on confirmed it. But like, I'm like, he sounds like the Joker. He sounds like, I was like, I'm getting the Joker right. Yeah. And like, I just, yeah, no. And I'm very curious to see what the, because he, because Reese has actually said that he might not be, like, he might not be actually the villain for the next movie mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, um, like for example, the villains that he's thinking about doing is like a grounded version of Mister of Mister Freeze and maybe even okay. Poison Ivy, which I could see. Ooh. Poison Ivy would be fun. Yeah, the Poison Ivy would be a ton of fun, and I'm just, yeah, no, I'm I'm very curious to see like what Reeves I do next because he now has a playground, and mm-hmm. I just I just mm. like I said, I'm cool if, if Joker's not the villain for the next movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think like we did we have had a lot of Batman movies with Joker so like mm-hmm. I totally get like if he's like we need to do something else we need a break yeah but like I am glad that like we do like he has like he's shown us like Joker's in the background so I can mm-hmm. bring him out whenever whenever mm-hmm. I want and so like we know he's there now we know and like we knew that but like now we like Mm-hmm. I've seen him and now he's freaking right next to the Riddler and I'm like you guys are idiots man <laughs> that's all I was thinking because I was like you're put two psychopaths right next to each other in the prison I'm like you guys are just asking for trouble but okay yeah. also um did you ever play the Batman Telltale games no I didn't no okay I recommend you check that out because the Joker they have with there is very interesting and yeah. honestly some of the stuff that's in the movie is kind of inspired. I, I okay. can tell they're kind of inspired by that but either way um but yeah no we do have a Joker in this universe and it's Jewick from Eternals that's so funny oh and he would do so good that's hilarious um I did not realize that that's who it was because like I don't know why I was just like focusing more on the Riddler because I was like <laughs> trying to still trying to figure out what was going on um yeah. But it was like, but yeah, I really liked it. I think they did a really good first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope they continue mm-hmm. with this version. Because um, I think there's a lot that they, because I feel like they, um, there's a lot that they can build off of with this. I felt mm-hmm. like they have a really, really solid beginning and really solid foundation now with this. Mm-hmm. That they could just like have a lot of fun with this now. Yeah, and I yeah, and I I have a, a, apparently from what I've heard, the sequel might potentially be out at least like they haven't given the exact date, but I'm imagining like at least three years. And I think until then we get the spinoff with the Penguin. I know we're getting another spinoff. Um, the Gotham PD spinoff was scrapped, from what I understand. Okay, and that's okay. kind of been replaced with this Arkham, with this sort of Arkham Asylum spinoff, which oh god has a ton of potential especially that's that's gonna be nuts yeah i'm I'm very curious about that one and then you know given i would i honestly am not gonna be surprised if they're if like reese is like thinking about like okay can we do a bat uh not but can we do a cabinet spinoff and i I, hope so because like she was really good um i really liked really liked her mm -hmm. um i would love to see more of her like I don't, I I want I I want her to get a spinoff. I want her to come back for the next one because I think mm-hmm. she's she's just a really good part of the universe. And mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of potential of this universe. I think 
they did a really good beginning startup for it because it's a very he's only this is only his like second year right yeah this is batman year two so it's very young batman Mm -hmm. um he's not super polished yet which you could tell he he doesn't even have he doesn't have the playboy bruce wayne type Mm-mm. And apparently, a lot of people complain about that. And I'm just like, seriously, no, I didn't mind it. Like I, I thought, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded seeing more of actual Bruce. Not because we saw a lot of him as Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we didn't see a ton of him as just straight up Bruce. We saw a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved his relationship with Alfred. I thought that oh, was. Yeah. Really yeah, good. Andy Circus was really good. Um, so like, there's just a lot, and I would love to see more of Bruce, but like, I didn't mind not having the Playboy aspect. No, yeah, like, it yeah. didn't bother me. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't bother me as well, and stuff, and just. But overall, I I love this movie. I think it's probably, I think it, right now, Dark Knight and Batman are like my number one, my number two, and I interchange it between as my like favorite Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, but this movie just mm. freaking A. We all need to apologize for Robert Pattinson for freaking out when he got casted. Yes, yes, we all need because... to deliver a massive apology with a nice hand basket. Cause... You know what funny rumor thing that I know is not going to happen, but I just yeah. started dying laughing. Yeah. <laughs> um. People were like, he needs to have a Robin. And everybody's like, who should play like his version of Robin? Like, and stuff. And people are like, bring in Tyler. Um uh, uh Lautner. <laughs> bring in I mean, Lautner. Taylor. Taylor, Taylor, not Tyler. Taylor. I don't know. I mess up on the name, but yeah. People were joking about that. I'm like, he's not gonna do it. <laughs> but like that'd be funny though. It it would be, but also like he would you he... could I I mean, he probably could do it, but it would depend on which one. But, like, it'd be funny. Oh, yeah, no. But he also needs a young Robin. He needs a young Robin. Yeah, I know. He needs a young Robin. And I can actually see a Robin. And what I mean, and also, we would finally be getting a Robin back on film. because That would be pretty cool. Because for some freaking reason, Nolan and, to a certain extent, Snyder would not do Robins. And I'm just like, what's wrong with Abby and Robin? You could get a young... Um, dick grayson before mm-hmm. like like after all his stuff that happened with his parents and have bruce be with like help him yeah um, and, and it also there's a, like, there's a lot of potential yeah and it also and like the relationship between and like you know that scene with him and the kid yeah uh, him and the kid and something like we're, we're already setting up that so fingers crossed that we get a robin because it, it was just the the taylor lautner stuff was just made me laugh i'm like we don't need a whole freaking twilight reunion guys mm. robert's good <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, he, yeah no, no, that's... it was just a joke it was a joke. I, I, it's I, not I, I know it's not happening but it was just made me laugh i know but it, it is funny it is funny anyways um did you watch turning red yeah i did okay we got to talk about this movie um cute. first off i just need to say this movie should have been in theaters yeah i understand what it has I want to see why I understand it wasn't, but I just, and I almost went to go see this movie at the El Capitan, but I just, A, did not have time. B, tickets were like 40 bucks, and it's like, okay, that's, dang. and I'm just like, dang, and just like, okay, I'm just watching Disney Plus, but 
this movie was great. Uh, I found it very sweet. It was very heartwarming. Um, the animation was stellar, as always, mm-hmm. but combined with like the editing, it felt very kinetic. Like a certain director who did a movie once in Canada, Decorate, mm-hmm. uh, for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And the performances I thought were impressive, especially from Sandra O. Oh. Um, uh, do you have a favorite character? Because I love the kids, but like Abby is kind of my favorite. The kids are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know if I have a favorite. I, I just I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was cute. I watched it last night after work. Um, and it was just like it was just it was just cute. It was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the most like. I read a review where it's like it wasn't the most emotional Pixar movie because it was still Pixar, but I still thought it was really good. Um, I I I'm not gonna lie. I I had a few moments where I was like near tears. I mean, I like a little bit. Some of it was sad, but like I felt like for the most part, it was like uh, I don't know. I just really I thought it was just really cute, really heartwarming. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh. I like the panda. It was just, it was just cool. I, yeah. I just enjoyed it a lot. Also, they got the early 2000s aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Which, again, as someone that was born in 1999, um, that means a lot to me. And like when they mm-hmm. and when they were playing Destiny Child Bootylicious on the soundtrack, I was like, yes! It was pretty funny. Yeah, that, that was just like, just, all right. They, 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 they got this. Um, Dom Chi, who directed it, and Julie Ko, and Sarah Strainer, who, by the way, um, I think they all did a great job with the script of that story. Um, Sarah Strainer, by the way, um, you know that show that you like, The Wilds? Mm-hmm. She created that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah that yeah, is yeah. a show that's coming back that I'm, that I could talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, but overall, um, I thought Tony Ray was a very sweet, heartwarming, coming age tale with some very relevant themes, especially when it comes to the theme of self love and importance, which is very relatable. Mm-hmm. And one I highly recommend checking out. And then I saw the, the show, the first episode, Winning Time on HBO Max. And mm-hmm. despite not being the biggest basketball fan, I enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. Adam, director Adam McKay's uh, direction was intriguing especially with him using like fourth wall breaks um kind of like he did with the big short and using different mm-hmm. camera angles was very interesting and i thought the story so the script was interesting i manages to kind of balance out multiple characters with still keeping the focus on magic johnson and john c Riley's dr bus overall mm-hmm. uh so the performance for the performances direction cinematography stretch of script one time was a delight from beginning to end and one i definitely recommend checking out and cool do you have anything you want to recommend uh, no, I haven't watched anything new besides Turning Red and Batman this week. Those are my recommendations. All right. So. Anyways, um, before we head out, I was able to do an interview with um, director Wes Miller, who just recently released the film A Day to Die. Uh, you guys can check it out, right? Hello, my name is Josh, and welcome to our conversation with Two Geeks, the podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today, we have on a special guest. Please welcome director Wes Miller. Um, please say hi, Wes. Excuse me. Hey, how's it going? And thank you for having me on, my man. You're welcome. As the two of us talk about his newly released film, A Day to Die, his career, how he wind up working with actors like Frank Grillo and John Cusack, and much more. Um, so first of all, welcome to the podcast, um, Wes. I 
just again, thank you so much for coming on. I this actually really does mean a lot and stuff. And yeah, no, and um, let's just get into it. But for the, for the viewers and stuff, um, can you describe a little about yourself, like how you got to this point, and like you know what inspired you to get into directing and stuff, and just tell us your story. Yeah, man. So uh, originally from Memphis, Tennessee, um, grew up, always loved film. Um, had you know, I'm a little personal camcorder back in the day recording films making home movies like a little pixel 2000s little black and white camera tape thing mm -hmm. um always loved film but um in college wound up taking like a pre-law route because our film program at our college was like all full and then you know found out uh that i really like loved law i mean law is like amazing ended up going to law school but um and then practicing law. But even then, film was always like right there on the edge, you know, um, you know, I used, like watching The Rainmaker and The Verdict when I was in law school, man. And, and even in the early days of practice was just like our motivator. My law office was uh, plastered, like decorated with legal movie posters. That was our decoration. <laughs> so film has always been like part of my life. But then about 2010, 11 ish. Um, started realizing like, look, man, I'm really not happy with the practice emotionally and spiritually. It just wasn't for me, um, but I didn't know what I was going to do next. Um, so then wound up, you know, happenstance finding, um, running into somebody who had a DSLR, a Canon 5D at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, this, this can make, you know, nice images. So I was like, all right. So I went and got me a Canon T3i, started shooting, working on some shorts, um, then started realizing, okay, well, you got to be able to tell a story. Mm -hmm. um, so learn how to write, wrote my first screenplay, put it up on a website, Simply Scripts, got picked up by um, a producer who's now an Emmy winning director. And mm -hmm. uh, he brought me out to California, man, got me on set. And I think the bug just bit at that point. Um, but it was also at that point that I knew like, look, if you want to make sure that the films that you make and that you write have your voice fully, mm -hmm. you have to write them and direct them. You can't just write and hand it off because mm -hmm. ultimately somebody else's voice would be the last voice on it. Um, so yeah, man, just started working. And then about 2015, oh, and on that first shoot, uh, one of the producers there, you know, he used to represent Tony Gilroy and he just, you know, gave me just a little nugget, man. He was like, yeah, you know, we really enjoyed your screenplay and your writing style reminds me so much of uh, Tony Gilroy. Oh. I was like, whoa, that's like a big compliment. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Tony you know, just me, yeah, he is. So I gave yeah, me a little bit of fuel. Andy. Yeah, just gave me a little bit of fuel to be like, OK, I can do this. Um, but I knew that if I was going to do it, I couldn't practice law and make films and not and not get to where I would like to be in the filmmaking because they both demand so much of you. Mm -hmm. um, you just couldn't do it. So man, made the difficult choice, man, in summer of 2015, just to go ahead and go full-time uh, filmmaker and, and really work to make feature films. I didn't want to make a hundred shorts. I really wanted to learn the, the skill to make, you know, 90 to 120 minute narratives. And uh, that's how, that's, that's how I got jumping, man. Yeah, no, no, no. And just, I just, I'm, just very interested by your story and stuff and yeah no especially with like legal dramas because mm -hmm. that's that's around that you know everyone kind of like uses spielberg and lucas as like comparisons and stuff but legal dramas like john grisham legal dramas yeah like that's just i don't know that that's just interesting to me because i never um because you know i don't really follow that much legal stuff but like 
I'm just thinking like, um, do you ever see, uh, I think it's The Firm with Tom Cruise? Oh, 100%. That was filmed in Memphis, man. Uh, oh, was, shoot. Yeah, still one of my go-tos, you know. Um, yeah, that that's that's always been one of my favorite genres. Um, but unfortunately, financiers don't tend to like to make them unless you got like a super, super, superstar in them. Um, and even then, they're still difficult. Um, but they're just classic, man. I, I just, yeah, I, I absolutely love the legal dramas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The legal drama is especially can be interesting, and I'm just I'm also just thinking of another one, um, mainly because now John Grisham's down in my head, <laughs> and like I'm just thinking like stuff like the Pelican Brief, for example. Oh yeah, Pelican Brief, amazing. Yeah, Pelican um, Brief and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, as we continue on, um, so let's get into date, a day to die, and I just watched the movie last night. Really good. I thought everyone was great in it. But what was the inspiration for that? Were there any films like like that that inspired you? So the way the script came to me, it was just a regular, you know, shoot them up, uh, quick, you know, action film A to B. Not much, you know, it was, you know, not bad at all, but just mm-hmm. like I, it, it didn't it, it lacked a little bit of, of, of thought that I thought it needed. So I kind of dug in, um, put a little bit of me in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, created the characters like the one that Leon played, you know, mm-hmm. created that character. Mm-hmm. Um, just I wanted to add a couple of layers of complexity, you know, just to see how how much we can you know, raise the bar, so to speak. Um, so like, as far as that, no, it was really just me saying, all right, here, here are the characters we have. What are some of the things the characters could be going through? And what what about these characters could cause conflict with the other characters? And what's something that could be surprising or, you know, uh, you just, you, you don't know where it's coming from. So that was like that first part. But then like when, you know, I started putting in the heist piece of it, you know, I think like for me, Heat is like the seminal heist mm. movie. So, you know, you watch that and, you know, it gets a lot of credit for its um, shootouts and things. But like that film was really a straight character build, character mm-hmm. study until you got to the heist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just kind of looked at that and under trying to, you know, kind of see, you know, that was made, you know, 30 years ago or, what, or, or more. And the landscape now of what, you know, distributors need and, and the audiences want is a little different. So I was just trying to find a balance there to have something action packed that has a little substance um, that also has a little stylistic, you know, flair in it. And, you know, just hopefully give people something they can enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I noticed that flair throughout the movie, especially filming, you know, especially with the Mississippi backdrop and stuff, because we because, you know, besides those um, John Grisham movies that we mentioned, there's not really much heist movies. Most of them. Most of them are honestly set in LA. True. Yep. So it's so it was very interesting to see a movie, especially with something that's really so um, from the area and stuff. Right. And which actually leads me into my next question: as a lower budget movie, um, what was it like shooting in Memphis, especially you know you know this, um, especially shooting in a post lockdown but a pre Delta world? I'm I'm always curious about like how filmmakers are able to navigate, especially you know, with COVID and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Jackson was an amazing place, man, as far as like the people and the landscape, they were just like really opening and just to kind of kind of talk to, you know, start with like your first uh, piece of your question about Mississippi and the backdrop. Um, you know, yeah, we, we don't get a lot of like real urban feel movies outside of like the super big cities. And, you know, being a guy from the South, I was like, look, man, let's try to stay in the South. The Mississippi became uh, was approved by our financier. And then it just became like finding a location to shoot in. And so um, going to visit Jackson 
Um, it was just like the people were great. The landscape was great. I was able to see, you know, it's not a huge place, but what they have is beautiful mm-hmm. and very filmic and very cinematic. So, yeah, so we, we, we landed there, you know, based off the strength of the visuals and the people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, shooting in a post-COVID world, it was difficult. Um, you know, it, it adds a layer of time to your day. Um, directing with a mask on isn't the most com- comfortable mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, especially like me, I like to move around and, and only go and, you know, pick up the camera and, you know, sometimes I just need to, you know, get some air. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but everybody was very professional, very safe. And, you know, we made it through without any incidents. So thankfully it did happen before the, the Delta and the Omicron variant uh, oh, breakout yeah. started to happen. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. And yeah, no, and just, I, I, I get you with the mask because sometimes I, you know, you know, I'm in LA right now and like, we just, like for a long time, California was safe, but like we, you know, we had on the mask restrictions and stuff. And like I, I wear my mask all the time, just but it does make your strong like brain for some crazy reason. And I can understand that being like really hard to direct. I like, just can't imagine like you know being on set and trying to like give direction to actors. And I'm just very curious. Yeah, no, that was just very curious to see and stuff. And yeah, yeah no. Um, but what was like the hardest scene in the shoot, just in terms of practicality, logistics, location, what have you? I think as far as those pieces go, it's probably the one the, the large gunfight towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to shoot that over a couple, you know, a couple of days, uh, simply because of you know the amount of shots and the amount of people um, that we needed to make it feel full. Um, the coordination that we needed, um, the special effects, because I shoot 95% of my, sh- you know, um, explosions and gunfire is, is practical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I noticed that really, during the movie. Yeah. So and we I really like that. Up. Yeah, man. I just think that just adds a layer of realism that, mm-hmm. you know, I just love that realism and the visceral nature of everything. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the most difficult, just trying to coordinate all those different elements and the different extras and our actors, getting them ready. And then making sure we we had enough time to actually cover the scene and, and cover it well. So that was that was probably the most challenging because you gotta get the police cars out. Like it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, yeah, no. I especially like when watching like the final gunfight, you can definitely say like, and just through my editing mind, because I'm mm-hmm. editing mind is just like, okay, I can see where one thing is, where the other thing is. And I imagine like especially shooting that over a couple of days, that could probably be repetitive, repetitive mm-hmm. and stuff. And like I, I give you credit for like trying to you and your team for trying like to figure that out. Cause that's not that's not an easy feat to do, especially especially with a budget like this and like you're just you know just oh. trying to do the best you can and stuff. And yeah, it's hard. And uh, the whole key was just pre-pro, like just sitting mm-hmm. down with everybody pre-pro. I had shot a test of like you know some gunfighting so I had that to kind of really lean back on. But it's really just literally planning it out, sticking to the plan, crossing off your list as you go. And then just be like, all right, you know, I trust my list and like, we got it. We got to yeah. move on. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. I, um, anyways, so my next question, uh, what was it like working with actors like Frank Grillo, um, John Cusack, or just anyone from your career? Like, was there any like a standout performer? Because I'm just, because you've worked with a couple of major actors, I've noticed, like throughout your career, and, like including the likes of Jordan Lopez and, um, and even Bruce Willis. So yeah. that, so what was it like working with those type of actors? Yeah, I, I was super blessed, man. I must say, like, um, you know, the group of actors, especially that we had on a day to die, were they really brought their A game. And, you know, being a younger director, you know, it's it's a little 
and it can be intimidating if you don't come in with a certain level of confidence because and, and humility at the same time, humility in the sense of, you know, you have these legends who are trusting you, um, but also confidence in the sense that because they're trusting you, you can't just sit there. You got to actually lead them somewhere. And um, and and so, yeah, man, so I learned a lot, man, you know, um, and all the performers were so great. You know, you had like Leon and and, you know, who's just amazing and everything he does mm-hmm. and just really brought the complexity we needed to that character Pettis. Um, then, you know, Frank is the consummate, you know, professional. And mm-hmm. like when the camera turns on, his intensity level is just literally unmatched. And, you know, Kevin came in and like really brought his A game with with uh, Connor and um, and Gianni with Tim, like mm-hmm. Alex with uh, with Steve. I mean, I could just, you know, Muhammad and Vernon Davis, like everybody – like, as I look around, I'm just like, man, everybody really brought their A game. And so just watching these professionals work and find a scene. And that was probably some of my best moments on the set is like with the scene work, you know, sitting down with the actors before we start shooting, going through the script, making sure it's tight, making sure the rhythm is there, finding the rhythm together, slashing out any dialogue that doesn't work, adding anything that needs to be added. And then when you find that scene and just watching these professionals, like, just come together was just so amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, just the way you describe it and stuff, it just seems like you had a very, like, robust crew, and there's also, and I agree with them, humility, like, you gotta be humble around these guys, and, like, I'm just, you know, I'm happy that you had a great experience with, especially with some of these actors and stuff, and yeah. especially, like, Grillo and stuff, because, like, Grillo, Grillo, you know, he's freaking crossbones from the MCU, so, so yeah. that might have been, like, a very big experience and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so my final question is, um, what genre would you like to tackle next for your next project? Or what do you have lined up next? What genre would you like to tackle? Do you want to stick into like this John Grisham crime drama? Or do you want to like expand elsewhere? Elseworld stuff? Yeah, I would I would say generally I'm, I'm genre agnostic. I do enjoy making like the socially relevant action films. Um, so we're doing something coming up. Um, it's kind of like a cross between Reservoir Dogs and Smoking Aces. Ooh, so it's yeah, I like so, those. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of you know it's like that, and uh, we got Kelly Rowland that's leading that one, mm-hmm. and um, so it, it'll be a unique piece. And then after that, man, you know we got a, we just got a little bit you know in different pieces that um, stages of production that I can't really discuss. But yeah, we're in pre-production on this uh, Three Mile M, and I'm really excited about. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and that concludes our interview. A Day Thanks, to Die man. is currently out on streaming, streaming and VOD. Um, th- again, thank you so much, Wes. I really do appreciate you talking with me about the movie and about your career and really just about everything. And that was, yeah, thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And if your audience wants to follow me, I'm on Instagram um, at I am, I am Wes Miller. And uh, yeah, I'm not great at social media, but starting to get better. So um, yeah, man, keep up with me. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Here we go. Again, I just want to say I just want to say thanks to Wes for talking with me. That was a really nice interview. And yeah, let's close out. All right. So feel free to follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Compo with Two Geeks. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. If you feel like emailing us about anything from this episode or a previous episode, we're at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. Anyways, we'll see you all next week. And yeah, take care, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye.